Hello, I'm Alexandria Treasure and thank you for joining me for this episode of Step Pivot, the resilience of regional business. I'm going to be casting the spotlight each week on an incredible regional business, sharing their story and the amazing work they are doing here in regional Australia, even in the most trying of times. Today for our very first episode of Step Pivot, we're joined by Sarah Stanford from Novelize, a content strategy and creation business that is on a mission to make your words better. I met Sarah through work and she has been helping my business since late 2019 with our own content strategy, messaging and processes. But what she may not know is a year prior to that, I sat in a room with her and listened to her give some advice on another local project and was completely in awe. She blew me away, not just with her knowledge, but her sheer passion and belief in challenging a system that just wasn't working. I've joked with Sarah before, but I genuinely believe she has helped take our content and contact processes from zero to amazing. She's a powerhouse with words and strategy, but more importantly, she's a very kind person who through work I have now come to call a friend. In fact, she's the first person I told about this podcast partly for reassurance, but mostly because I so genuinely respect her opinion and business acumen. It's for all these reasons and many more that I thought it was only fitting that Sarah joined me today to launch this new little project, and I'm so glad she's here. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks. Before we jump in and get started, can I ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm Sarah. I am a content designer and content strategists and sometimes copywriter. So that means that I help businesses put structures behind their words, uh, mostly online. I help them understand the strategy, people and process elements of content. And somewhere at the end of that process, I put words in an order and you call that copywriting. Uh, so that's what I do. And yeah, I've had Novelize for almost two years. Very exciting. So we've had a lot of personal conversations, I guess, over the last month or so specifically about the economic impacts of COVID-19 here in regional New South Wales. And largely we've agreed that in our particular industry, we've been pretty fortunate to be able to maintain some elements of our business. Um, what do you think, though, is the general feeling in the local business community right now? That is a very big question because there are so many different opinions um, because it really depends on what industry you're in and what sector you focus on. I think... When I talk to the people that I work with who are in metropolitan areas, though, they are feeling a lot more pressure, doom and gloom, everything's come to a halt, compared to when I speak to businesses out here and what I see them doing online. So obviously there are businesses that haven't been able to continue in any way. And then there are businesses who haven't been able to continue business as usual, which is a lot of people. And then there are businesses that still continue business as usual. And because of where we are, we have a lot of those. We are living in a primarily agricultural area, as much as people have tried to deny it. 
Dubbo's economy is based on agriculture. It's also based on services like finance and government. They are pretty much essential. Everyone needs them right now. And if we weren't talking about COVID-19, we would be talking about return from drought and how busy ag is right now with everyone sowing, trying to get a crop off this year, which hasn't been possible or as possible as it should be in the last few years. So ag is really, really, really busy and they can't change the way they work necessarily. They have to keep doing work how they are. So because we have been through so much drought as well, we have a super resilient business community. And I think there are some people out there, it's like, this is just another thing which doesn't feel great, but they've been able to respond fairly positively because we've been facing drought for so long. This has been the lack of income, the lack of a normal job has been the life for people out here for years. And it's actually just turning around and then this happens, great. But it does mean we've been more resilient, I think, to some other places where it's like they've been hit with a cricket bat. And I'm certainly not including businesses that have been forced to close completely and cannot find a way around different restrictions because my heart goes out to them because they're in a very different position. No, I think it's very broad at the moment how everyone's feeling but um interesting that you refer to the difference between regional and metropolitan areas and how people are generally feeling because it's very similar to the conversations i've had with people too so maybe it's just another point that dare i say we're built a little bit tougher out here <laughs> kind of after a few years of uh like for farms of no income and things you have to be <laughs> that's wouldn't be business as usual in other places and it's business as usual for farmers unfortunately has been through the drought to not make income so and interesting i've had a lot of discussions with people that obviously the government support that's being provided is incredible but all of these farmers and the agricultural industry have got through a crisis just as large we might say if not larger and they've been doing it with essentially zero support so even more credit to them yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, a very interesting thing that someone one day will look back and track the difference, but that won't be me and I will not enter into that discussion. <laughs> Try to trip me up, Alex. No, never. <laughs> um, but with your skill set, I would imagine you had a pretty fantastic plan in place for your business for 2020 before things started to change in March. So I'm interested to know, how are you doing business right now? I am not doing business all that much differently to what I would have been at the start of March. Uh, I spent a fair bit of time at the beginning of this year really getting a handle on what I offer as a service provider, not just in terms of the services, because that was very clear to me in my mind, but how I package them up and sell them across as products in a way that really helps people um, is the most value for money for them and is the easiest to digest. This is what I do is a lot of big, thinking kind of work it's big strategy and that's a bit inaccessible to people as a start point um, but I'd been breaking up my service into 
an initial consult package to get people sorted with a plan where I may or may not help them in the future. If I am helping them, that moves into that bigger strategy work and then into copywriting. If I'm not, they have a plan and then they can, my plan was that they could then move into an online group. That was meant to launch that online group in the third quarter of the year. I launched that a few weeks ago. So I did bring that forward because I thought people working from home might want that online community and support. It was particularly designed for clients I work with who are solo business owners or solo marketers in companies. So I thought they might just want that little extra support. So I did bring that forward. But otherwise, the plan has kind of stayed the same, um, but only because I had literally spent January, February working it out uh, through a program called Squirm Free Sales Masters with Katie Prince. So planning is very important, clearly. (laughs) Planning is important. So that probably leads into my next question. You've probably partly already answered it, but given that no one could have ever prepared for the current situation we're in, what are the processes that you've implemented or the decisions that you've made in your business that you're grateful for now and the way they're helping you? I'd already built a fairly online-based business. It's mostly online-based, even down to the way people can book time with me it doesn't involve a lot of extra back and forth online so like with emails or phone calls it's all just book it in and it's done um so having those things in place and i mean it's sort of a bit less relevant to my business because it was already so online because so many of my clients are not based where i am based which is excellent because it means that people in more regional areas can access my services, but so can people in Sydney and Brisbane and Gold Coast and other places I work. I have seen some clients um, in terms of the processes that they have that have put them in good stead to respond quickly. Are those ones that were more forward thinking in terms of their digital footprint, they have responded well. Those who were feeling a bit more like this internet thing, it's not going to hang around, are in a very different position. Yeah. And I think um, I'm, I'm almost going to say we were sitting somewhere in the middle. I certainly know the internet's staying around. Digital is in my business name. So if I'm not across it, I'm probably in some real trouble there. But um, it has certainly pushed us, I know, into better systemizing our footprint online, I think. Um, and that's where I know you've been helping me a lot. So you've been helping me make some really big changes over the past six months and really specifically probably in the last six weeks and have been so much support to us. And I know you would be supporting so many other clients right now but I'm interested to know what are the main themes of the conversations you're having with your existing clients and out of interest, do those conversations differ to the conversations you're having with new clients at the moment? They do a little. Um, New clients, people who I've been speaking with 
very recently, like in the last few weeks. Before that, no one was starting new things. But in the last few days, people are starting to want to do some new stuff. The clients that I've been speaking to or potential clients I've been speaking to are looking to use this time to get started with something on the right foot or to take a step back and start again. So I mentioned I do bigger strategy pieces of work and that they can feel like a big thing to start with when you just want a piece of copy or you just want a website. You feel like, but why do I have to do this strategy? So for new clients coming in, they're thinking, okay, we've had a little bit more time to think and now that we're all, maybe we're all working from home and we're trying to change the way we're working, change the way our business works, a lot of this will stay. So we're going to have to go back sort of, not to scratch, but we're going to have to go back and assess the strategy to see how those things can stay in our business and what we need to do uh, to prepare for the future. Conversations with current clients, we're having, a lot of us are having a little break right now because when this situation came to a head and we all started hanging out at home, it was all about response, 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 really rapid communications, communicating what was happening. I have some retail stores that I work with. So what are the processes in store? How have they changed? How quickly can we move to online purchasing? What does delivery look like? What are the emails that come out look like? So that was full on. I have a client who supports a vulnerable community. So their communication had to be very clear, but they're, they're very much responsible for their community. So it was almost like mirroring government comms in a way, like, and they were working so fast. I think that the Australian government website in response to COVID-19 took two days, which is the fastest ever website built on the Gov CMS platform, which is mind blowing. Like for a government department to be able to move that fast, it has been amazing and for it to be decent, like not even decent, it's a really good website, like it's quite clear. It's really quite exciting. Um, as a content designer, I work with little brands, but content design has come out of the government space and these big monolithic websites. Um, it's been exciting to watch that. But yeah, that's, I think that's how the conversations differed. They're probably having the same conversations internally. It's just when those, you know, it's gone through that rapid response, quietened down a little bit and then gone, okay, if we look at this strategically, what do we do now? I think that's, it's more a journey than different conversations. It's timeline, it's a journey. It's a Very much been an emotional <laughs> journey. <laughs> it's been a ride. <laughs> Um, so your work is very focused around content design and messaging strategies, but I'd be interested to know, can you share why now more than ever having that clear strategy in place is so important? And then probably the second part of that question to me is if that business has that strategy in place, what's the best way that they can remain true to that? Yeah, I think the important thing for people to start to understand is that a content strategy isn't your social media calendar or your blog calendar 
or your, you know, your publishing calendar. It's not the content you post and when you post it. The strategy is your purpose for all your content. It's your brand voice and message and how you get that across. So it's the substance of the content. It can be the structure of the content. So I mentioned that the government spun up that website in two days. They have a structure behind that. You know, a blog has a particular structure. It has a date and a title and a body. Well, think of a database. Everything has a content, has a structure, particularly when you get into bigger organizations like a bank. Um, it's the processes. So who writes, when, how does it get published? What platforms does it get published on? And it's the governance of those processes. So when you're one person writing for your business, your process and your people and all those things are pretty small. When you're in a big company, those governance things, or even you know, medium-sized business, the governance starts to become really important. So when you're dealing with crisis communications, if you're really clear on who's responsible for what and how the work gets done and what the brand voice is, you can do things faster because you're not spending heaps of time reviewing messages because they're more likely to be right if not the first time than the second time, not the tenth time because you've already got that foundation. You're more likely to give your audience exactly what they need to hear and not just duplicate other people's information. Something that I think we all still feel but was really apparent around four weeks ago. People are super confused. Who do I get information from? And part of that's because the federal government handles certain legislation, the state government handles others. So you have to go to the federal government and the state government to get the correct info because they're both dealing with different things. But then you've got, you had companies that were literally copying that, which could have been wrong and sending it out. Now, if they're copying the state legislation and they're sending it nationally, there's something going to be wrong for people in different states. So you had lots of duplication of content, which isn't necessary. So if you've got a good content strategy, you know how to stay in your lane and what belongs to other people. Um, and you know, as I said, how to write it in a way that is for your audience. So I am sure everyone was totally over and probably still is every email that landed in their inbox that said COVID-19 update, I am still getting from, I don't even know who it's from because I delete it so quickly every day, every morning, I get an email that says COVID-19 daily update. I don't care. It's not even case number. Like it's, it's case numbers plus business advice plus something else. It is not relevant. Rather than how we're changing for you, how we're responding or what is happening, I had an email from a clothing store that I like. The content of the email was that all their stores were closing, but they were open online. The subject line was an important message for you. Now that could be any other marketing email. They didn't put the most important information for their audience first, which is our stores are closing, but we're open online. People probably would have opened the email if they saw our stores are closing. So yeah, the content strategy helps you cover all those things 
so that when something like this happens, you know exactly what to do and when to do it. So you have helped my business particularly with our messaging strategy and our tone of voice. And I very much think that that helped us and to use your term, it helped us stay in our lane. Um, and I think for me, it also helped when I got admittedly emotional, if I was having a rough day or wasn't sure what decision to make and something had to go out to our clients, I think it brought me back to the point where I knew what place I wanted to speak from. So I always say that we operate the business, um, from a place of kindness and we're backed by hard work. So I think that's what I tried to remember then when I was putting my communications out, were they kind and was it demonstrating that we were continuing to work hard? And I guess where I got that definition from is that I heard some people speaking online that on the other side of this, what did you want your business to be remembered for? Like how did you want your communications remembered? And that's how I wanted my business to be remembered. So I'm interested to know, how would you like your business to be remembered? You see, this is how, why we get on, because one of the core values of my business is kindness, because being clear is kind, which is a Brene Brown, they the lead quote, but I did not know that. I was, that was pointed out to me in a workshop when I was saying clear is really kind, um, but it is. So I believe that the right words in the right place in the right way or the right content in the right place in the right way is kind because not only does it communicate the right message, uh, it will help with accessibility. Uh, it helps reduce anxiety. When you can't find the information you're looking for, you get more stressed and it takes a situation like this to show how little bandwidth we have for that little extra stress in our day. So there's actually um, guidelines for how to design pages for people with anxiety disorders and people with uh, who are on the autism spectrum because you know that clarity of language is really important because turns of phrase and metaphors don't necessarily register. Um, as clearly as they could. So don't put really important information in a fun little saying because no one has time for that. How putting information on a page in the right way can help people who maybe have a disability, maybe they can't use one arm or only have one arm, but it can also help people who are, have a broken arm if you've ever tried to use a website without one arm, it's really challenging or it can help people who are situationally disabled like holding a baby. So that's my whole thing about kindness in my business is how that, I wanna make the internet a kinder place. And the way I do that is through content strategy and messaging. And you do a very wonderful job at it. Oh, um, and I think in a lot of our discussions, we've also spoken about and we've even spoken about it today, but regional businesses are doing a lot of things right. Like I've been blown away by some of the innovation I've seen locally. It's been incredible. Um, what's something that you've been impressed by? And is there anything that you would like to see more regional businesses doing? That's a good question. Um, look, I think that there's part of it where it's people, the further away from 
the city you live, the more used to isolation you are anyway. So there are people, you know, people that I talk to, friends and family who are saying, should we feel guilty? Our lives haven't really changed and other people's have. I mean, no, don't feel guilty, just feel lucky that you know exactly how to deal with this. Um, so I think, yeah, as I said, that's made means that we've been a bit more able to respond and um, adapt because the adaptation level is actually kind of low. <laughs> Sorry, city people. Uh, but I really love, I love um, CSC and Short Street doing the meal boxes. I'm getting one this week because if anyone follows me on Instagram, you know I've been enjoying cooking from my pantry, cooking from my fridge. I have not been outside even to the grocery store because I have a terrible respiratory system. So I have not been to Woolies. I have been nowhere. I have been lo loving living from my pantry and trying to get being creative with everything in my fridge. But the concept of having like a local schmello schmesh or <laughs> and i love the collaboration too like spoon, any of those. yeah and it, it's collaborative it's it shows that you don't have to have a completely unique idea for it to be a good idea like some people think if i want to innovate if i want to launch a new business if i want to do a new thing it has to be totally new it can't be like anyone else which isn't true. Like they've just taken a tested idea that people already use, but made it better by making it local and giving people access to something they don't need right now. I think you said, um, what would I like to see people doing more of? I just think this is making everyone realize how much stuff we have access to locally. There's been a real focus on buying local and I think, if anything, it's just a great time to capitalise on that. We've had great success with like the Buy From The Bush campaign, but how do we extend that into food and everything else? I think a lot of people are shopping quite differently to what they normally would. Um, so just thinking about how is that rise in local, which I think will stay, because people are recognising we've actually got stuff we don't need to worry about what's in the city because we've got heaps of excellent stuff here. They don't even have yeast and we have a flour mill. So, you know, we're on a roll, guys. We're doing well. And I have <laughs> loved watching. You coined the phrase, is it quarant quarantine feeds? And just quarantine feeds. Quarantine feeds. Quarantine feeds for quarantines. Oh, it's a whole... It's a thing. It's a slogan now. It's a slogan. I love it though. And I've been actively following along. So maybe I can ask while we're speaking and then I have it recorded. Is it staying after restrictions start lifting? Please. Look, people have requested it. I'll have to, uh, I have to put that out to my audience and see what, because it's all about them. I know you're in that. So yeah. It'll be a maybe, big yes vote from me. Maybe I need to become a famous, uh, food TikToker. I'm sure that's like a subset of TikTok. I'm trying to work out how to become a 33-year-old famous TikToker and maybe that's... Do you even say TikToker? I don't even know. I don't know. 
I don't know if I should admit this. I'm not on TikTok. It's, it's a little bit overwhelming for me. And I certainly um, like to avoid the camera. So <laughs> I've avoided TikTok so far, but I would join it if I was going to see your food on there. It genuinely makes me feel really old. But now I'm into it. I was originally, I was like, I do not understand. And now I take the same approach that I do to other things in my life, which is why I was an early adopter to Instagram in the first place. And Facebook is community and fandom is weird and you should look at it and study it because it's fun. I feel like it's going down the rabbit hole as well, though. It was this, I feel like it was the same with Instagram initially. I was like, oh, I'll get Instagram. And this is obviously years ago, but I'll get Instagram and I'll have a look and like, it won't take up too much time. And I can look at Instagram and then it's an hour later and I'm trying to work out what I've done with an hour of my life. When you add that up, like I've worked out that I think I've had Facebook for over 15 years and Instagram for over 11 that's a lot of time. Maybe we so add that up. That's a lot of time. I mean, I like to think my Instagram posts have really developed since whatever year, oh. whenever. I'll have to go and find some old ones and have a look. There's lots of um, creative art shots. So like at work, we used to do a theme, a weekly theme. And somehow the weekly theme, it was like a little competition. And the weekly theme for the people in my team, which was the production team in a conference company, somehow always ended up having just photos of our glasses of wine at the ship-in at Circular Quay every Friday night. It'd be like, the theme's summer, summer wines. <laughs> and I feel like wine can work in any theme, so. <laughs> literally can. The theme's Australiana, Australian wine. We had a client contact us last week who was in the wine industry. And I was like, I finally feel like this is, this is why I started this business. Like this is my moment. <laughs> I, am, I have arrived. Um, so not in a, if I tell you, I have to kill you type of way, but can you let us in on what your biggest content secret is? Please. I can. It's going to be so disappointing though. So disappointing. My biggest content secret is that it is not as hard as you think it is or you make it out to be in your head. That's it. Um, you probably already know all the answers. You're just overcomplicating them. There are two things really. It's really if you are just answering questions that your audience has, you're going to be okay. And if you don't know what questions they have, ask them. That's it. You don't have to be too tricky about anything. Just ask people. And why are they buying from you? Why aren't they buying from you? Why do they come to you over someone else? Um, and use their words. Copywriting is just reflecting what other people are saying. And the other part of it is that content marketers, and I say this with love, as someone who is sometimes a content marketer and has been a content marketer to another content marketer, um, are really good at creating content about why you need to create content because that's their job. So 
because they're producing all this content about the perfect way to produce content, you think that you need to do the perfect way to produce content because they're telling you to, and that's all you see. So it doesn't actually have to be that hard to still get results, depending on what your results are, obviously. Um, but for most people, we can just kind of chill a little. And hopefully I'm allowed to interject there as part of your big secret and then maybe share my big secret would be in line with what you've said. If you don't know the answers to those questions or you are feeling overwhelmed, if you can get help. So I think I was at a constant point of overwhelm and you completely changed that for us. And it's very much what you said. When I look back at things you've given us, I'm like, Oh, I agree. I knew these things. And but they were so spot on. So I think sometimes having someone come in from outside of the business is a big help. So maybe this is my little plug to say that you have very much changed what we're doing and I'm very grateful. And I would encourage people to get in touch if they need the same help. Thank you very much. Just goes to show people often think when I say content that it's like how to write the perfect Instagram post but it does come down to those systems and processes and ideas behind it. Because, you know, you just said it changed what you do. The purpose was words on a website. Like so if you go back, that. exactly. The, that was the end goal, but you have to do, and that's why I often say like content is therapy because you've got to work through all the demons before you can even start writing a word. Uh, is that where the name for your group came from? Yes. Yes. Therapy. If anyone, anyone needs some content therapy, feel free to join me in the content therapy, content support group. We all need a little bit of therapy. Yeah, it's true, particularly at the moment. Well, then leading into that, I like to believe that in every situation there is either good or there is something to learn. So in your opinion, what can regional businesses take away from this situation to make their businesses better or different in the future? Always look for opportunity because there is, there will be something there and confidence breeds confidence. I think that's a conversation we had like really early on that, Sometimes you have to show up and put the confidence out there because you might just be one person, but that can make the three people you're speaking to feel a little better about the situation and then they go out with confidence and it, you know, has an exponential because we're all now experts on exponential graphs. It has an exponential effect um, and, you know, it's very capitalist of me to say but that's what the economy is also based on it's based on the confidence of the people in it so if we want to go out and recover quickly we have to put our best foot forward with a little bit more confidence then speaking of putting your best foot forward what is next for novelites Oh, just keeping on going, my friend. Um, I spent so much time at the start of the year getting, they said, like these products and offers and the group in place. I just need to do them. I don't need to do new things. I'm not in a place um, where I love creating new things. I do not need to create any more new things because I have enough things 
I don't need new things. So what's next is just doing the things I already have, following the process that I know works and helping other people by teaching them that process as well. Wonderful. So I am going to finish each of these chats with two wrap questions and I'm just going to ask you to finish these sentences for me. You can have as long or as short a sentence as you want. I will let you define that. It'll probably be long knowing you. But, okay, so first one, finish this sentence for me. My favourite story or experience with a resilient regional business has been? That's a really hard sentence. How dare you? Um, okay. Is that your I, sentence? Yeah, that's it. That's my sentence. My favourite experience with a resilient regional business has been... Oh, this... I... Um, when I first moved to Dubbo and I found, about, found out about Maverick Biosciences, that's the coolest business in the world. Hands down. Yeah. So second sentence then, and then I promise you don't have to answer any more questions from me. People take one thing away from this episode. I hope they remember. That it's not as hard as they think it is. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today for the very first episode, which has been both very exciting and very nerve wracking, but I certainly wouldn't be here without your help and support. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And you would not be able to tell that it was nerve wracking at all. Well, everyone will when they hear this. Yes. <laughs> now that you've announced it to the world. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. That is a wrap on our first episode of Step Pivot. And thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, Sarah Stanford, you can follow Novelize on Facebook or Instagram or check out her website, novelize.com.au. I hope you enjoyed tuning in and that you'll join me for next week's episode. I'll be chatting to Amy Rutherford from Cakes by Amy Rutherford and we're covering growing a business organically via social media, that elusive work-life family balance and inspiring the next generation of entrepreneurs. So I will see you next week.